Oh, good morning. Welcome to Olivet Community Church. We are so excited that you're here this morning on this Memorial Weekend to worship Jesus, to celebrate his resurrection, and to um, join your brothers and sisters throughout the city, throughout the world, who are worshiping Jesus this morning with us. I just want to invite you, uh, as you're grabbing your last cup of coffee and maybe waking up your daughters, Maddie, Maddie, come on down, we're getting started. I invite you to um, bring your family together while you're doing that. I will, um, I will share with you a couple things going on in the life of our congregation. If you are new to us, you can um, register your presence with us by texting your name to area code 812-457-9509. And we just love it when you um, give us feedback, things that are going on in your life, things that we can pray with you about and things that you are celebrating uh, as well. Uh, please include those things. As you're, uh, as you're doing that, I would just remind you that beginning next week, um, May 31st, we will be live streaming at nine o'clock. Now this is recorded here and edited and then put out at nine o'clock today, but beginning next week, we will be together with our worship team in the sanctuary, um, live streaming the service. We're moving more and more toward uh, June 14th when we will open up the sanctuary and invite you to come join us if everything is still uh, improving and all clear. And so look forward to being in worship on June 14th, but um, you can uh, engage at a deeper level even next week by inviting friends to come be with you, your family or putting together a watch party, or even in your small group or in your home, inviting people to come and worship with you. And we will just rejoice and celebrate together. So next week, um, live streaming, nine o'clock, and then even as today, immediately following our service, you can make your way over on Zoom to um, your Sunday school class and other small groups that are meeting. Other things going on in the life of our church. This is amazing, but this is the last week we'll be in possession of our facility at 5600 Oak Hill Road. And I wanted to say thank you so much for all of you who, in the midst of this COVID crisis, have labored to, to help us close down the old facility, to help us move and sort through all the different things. We had a kitchen crew here this last week that was merging our kitchens with uh, our sister church here at um, on Southern Oak Hill Road. But um, also there's just been an amazing number of volunteers still mowing, still um, packing up stuff, still uh, preparing our new facility for our occupancy. And we're just really grateful for all the sacrifices that you have made. We're almost there. We are almost there. Many of you were out yesterday uh, helping us close down the garages and, and um, taking out the last trash of the other facility. Um, we have one more work day this coming Saturday, um, Mar or May 31st from 8 to 12. About 12 o'clock, we're going to gather all those keys. We're going to um, turn the facility over to our um, sister church, Oak Hill Baptist, who has purchased the property. So um, you don't have to wait till Saturday. You can help anytime during the week. Just give us a call at the church office and we'll help you 
know how you can um, how you can serve Jesus by uh, helping us with this facility change. And then we will look forward with joy to worshiping together next Sunday, live streaming at nine o'clock in the morning. Next Sunday, by the way, is a Pentecost. And it's, it's poignant because we're so used to being together on Pentecost. And even as the disciples were together in the upper room praying when, when the Holy Spirit filled that place, we, we want to be together online next week at nine o'clock and, and we'll pray together. We'll do what we traditionally do at all of that and wear red no matter where we are. And, and, and we will celebrate this precious gift of the Holy Spirit. So you can prepare by, by um, gathering friends and family, by um, dressing in red next, next um, Sunday, and then by joining us at nine o'clock in the morning. But this week is an important week as well. This is Memorial Weekend. And it's a time when we remember our loved ones who've gone before. And this year, especially, that's so poignant because uh, in isolation, we have remembered and missed and even some of us lost loved ones during this time. Our church family has lost precious members and constituents to our church and and we want to remember them today in love even as as we worship this morning we're remembering a brother who passed away this week john nicholson and uh, wow for decades he has worshiped with us he has been so faithful even through his aging i believe uh, he was 96 when he passed away and uh, we celebrated his life and his resurrection last Friday. Our hearts go out to Connie Gedeke, his daughter, and Kathy Henry, his other daughter, to their extended families. Our hearts go out to Mary McGowan, his precious sister. I can just picture them sitting right back there on the right in our sanctuary, uh, worshiping together. Mary's uh, taken a turn for the worse as well, and she's, um, she's in a special nursing unit at Protestant Home. Uh, we just remember them as they mourn the loss of their precious dad and brother, John Nicholson. We remember today those who are suffering, those who have suffered, even those who have died this year, especially in the midst of the COVID crisis. And this Memorial Day, we want to remember them and the impact of their lives on ours. We want to remember this Memorial Day, especially those who gave the last full measure of love, the ones who gave their lives for us, for our country, for our freedom. And I think about those of you veterans out there on John was a World War II veteran who lost brothers in arms right beside you. In the course of conflict, we're so grateful for you. We're so grateful for your comrades in arms who, who gave the ultimate gift of us, of freedom, of freedom. And even worshiping together on the internet, 
we celebrate freedoms that much of the world doesn't have because someone gave their life for us. And of course, we would be remiss on Memorial Day if we didn't remember Jesus Christ, our Savior, who gave his life in love for us so that we might not only, not only be free to worship him, but be freed from, from the ultimate bondages, be, be, be freed from sin, be freed from dis-ease. And I just want to start there, this, this um, worship service. Jesus Christ has freed us from dis-ease. And we want to remember Jesus who, through his death, has freed us even from the ultimate enemy death ourselves. And so let's worship him together. Can we do that? This Easter season, let's remember the sacrifice that Jesus Christ has made for us. Let's, let's call out to him like we're going to call out on names of our loved ones in a little while. Let's call out the name of our loved one now. Jesus Christ. Would you say that with me? Jesus Christ, our living hope. Would you say that with me? Our living hope. How great the chasm that lay between us. How high the mountain I could not climb. In desperation, I turned to heaven and spoke your name into the night. Then through the Christ, my living hope. Imagine so great a mercy, what heart could fathom such boundless grace? The God of ages stepped down from glory. Oh, 
circumstances that we find ourselves in physically, emotionally, and even spiritually this morning are, are challenging times. And I want to take you back just for a moment, if I could. It's recorded for us in the Gospel of John, chapter 21. It's the evening of the first day of the week. It's a Sunday, in other words. And beginning in chapter 20, excuse me, verse 19, we read, the doors were locked where the disciples were for fear of the Jews. But Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. And when he had said this, he showed them his hands and, and his side. And, and the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. And Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I am sending you. And when he said this, John tells us, he breathed on them and said to them, Receive the Holy Spirit. For if you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. Wow. And if you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. And John continues the story. He says, there was one of the disciples who was not with them. Can you imagine that? When, when Jesus appeared to them, uh, Thomas was not with them. And, and so when he heard, right, when he heard that Jesus appeared to them, and, and when the other disciples said, we have seen with our eyes the Lord, he said, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and the place my fingers in the mark of the nails and place my hand in his side. I will never believe. Oh my gosh, do you see what's happening? 
Thomas is receiving the news. He's hearing the story, but he's not believing the story, right? And John continues, eight days later, the disciples were inside together and Thomas was with them this time. And though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them. And guess what he said? Here it is again. Peace, shalom be with you. And then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Put your hand and place it in my side. All the things that Thomas had said would be requirements for him to believe, right? Do not disbelieve, Thomas, but believe. And it's as if Jesus were speaking those words to you and to me today. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Yes, in the midst of grief over the loved ones that you have lost, just like the disciples were grieving. Yes, in the midst of the tragedy of the COVID virus. Yes, in the midst of your frailty and, and, and smallness of hope, risk believing. Thomas looked at Jesus and said, my Lord and my God. And, and that's powerful. I love it that Jesus condescended to reveal himself to Thomas. He said, believe Thomas, and Thomas believed. But then Jesus said this, and this is critical for you and me today as we worship Jesus Christ. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you have seen? Blessed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Beloved, you and I are in this exact same place. We have to believe today based on what we have not seen. Praise God, Jesus is worthy of our trust. He is worthy of our belief. And he says, he says to us this morning, the same words he said to them that morning so long ago. Peace, peace be with you.
is well with my soul. And I pray that it's well with your soul today as well. Pray with me, would you? Oh God, God, thank you that even in the midst of the struggle, even in the midst of the grief of loss, even in the midst of, of fear and concern for the future, God, you have already gone before us through Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, our living hope, has made a way. Oh, God, as, as we gather through the internet today, across the city, across the state, across the country, and across the globe, I just pray that, that your peace, which passes understanding, would, would comfort our hearts. God, we pray your peace over the Nicholson family, God, as they, as they experience this week what, what many of us have experienced over the last year or the last few years. And we just pray your peace which passes understanding would guard their hearts and minds. We pray your peace would, would call them into a deeper relationship with you. And God, we think of our own who are continuing in the struggle. God, we think of Suzanne Ehrenbrook and Danny as, as they continue to do battle with this pestilence. And we just pray that you would heal Suzanne. Thank you for protecting Denny. But we cry out in Jesus' name. You gave us that power, Jesus. We cry out in your name. Please bring healing to Suzanne's body. God, we pray for Linda Green in isolation, so far from her beloved husband, so far from her children. Um, Father, we pray as, as, as the walls close in and the confusion mounts and and she lives in moment-by-moment moment fear, God, just gasping for breath uh, through this tracheotomy. God, I just, I just pray peace. And we pray peace right now. Wash over her, God. And then as we gather today, we remember the precious loved ones who have been such an integral part of our lives. God, this... Memorial Day, we remember them and we speak their names. I just want to pause for a second and invite you to speak the name of your beloved. Oh, Jesus, thank you that before we ever knew their name, you knew their name. As we saw a couple of weeks ago in your word, you called them by name. You declared, you are mine. And God, though we grieve the loss of these precious family members, these precious friends, um, these precious souls, as we grieve their loss, we rejoice in this hope that, that death is not the final word. We rejoice in this hope that Jesus Christ has conquered death, has overcome the power of the grave, and that, God, we can live into this future because of what Jesus has done. So I pray, God, as we gather together, that, that you would meet us in this place and that you would glorify yourself 
through us. Like Thomas, we declare to you, oh God, we want so much to see in order to believe. Oh, Jesus, grant us that ability to believe even when we don't see. And Lord, we will rejoice. We will embrace your purposes. We, like the disciples, will receive the filling of your Holy Spirit. We will go where you send us, God. We will speak what you tell us. Until that day, God, when, when the full measure of, of your flock is gathered together, when all whom you set apart from the foundation of the world to trust in you have declared their faith, God, we, we look forward to that day when together we lift up the name of Jesus and declare his glory. Until then, grant us strength. Until then, grant us peace. And we will give you the praise, Jesus. We will give you the glory. Hmm, what a privilege to cry out the name of Jesus today. What a privilege to pray the prayer that he taught us to pray. Would you join me? Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Well, would you open the word of God with me, um, whether you have your Bible with you or your phone, uh, open up, if you would, to 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15. While you're, while you're doing that, I would just um, say a couple things in anticipation of us being together um, in order to minimize the opportunity to pass any uh, germs on to anyone else or viruses on to anyone else. We've removed from the pews, um, the Bibles, the hymnals, all those things. We'll project everything you need, but you are certainly welcome to, to always carry a Bible with you, to, to bring your phones and to open up the Word of God on your phones. We invite you um, when you come in a couple weeks to worship with us that, that you bring a pen or a pencil or something to write with. Uh, so that um, so that we don't have to share any writing utensils and and then bring a Bible that you're comfortable with to be able to to open God's word with us together. Um, we're reading today uh, as usual from um, the English Standard Version, but you are invited and and welcome to read from any version that you would choose. We're in First uh, Corinthians 15, beginning in verse one. Paul writes these words. Now, I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered to you, Paul says, of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, 
that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, the Aramaic name for Peter, then to the twelve. Then he appeared to more than 500 brothers at one time. Let me press pause for a second. I mean, 500 people saw Jesus, followers of Jesus saw him at one time. And Paul continues, most of whom are still alive. So some 20 years later, when he's writing this letter, they're still alive. They were firsthand witnesses of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Some of whom are still alive, though others have fallen asleep. And he's using that euphemism for have died. Then in verse 7, Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, as to one untimely born, Paul writes, he appeared also to me. The very word of God. Thanks be to God. Well, we're continuing uh, today our study of the word of God using as, um, as an outline, as a guide, the Apostles' Creed. And we have for the last couple of weeks been focusing on the second person of the Trinity. We have been focusing on, on Jesus. Let's, let's just stand for a moment, if we could, and, and let's say the Apostles' Creed together. I've been inviting you to memorize it uh, as, a, as a teaching tool, a quick 110-word summary of the message of scriptures. Are you standing? Let's say it together. We believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and of earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day, he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there, he will come to judge the living and the dead. We believe in the Holy Spirit, in the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Amen. Please be seated again. Well, wow. Wow. Today we return to the story and especially to a critical part of what we have called, or what Paul calls the gospel. Now, I would remind you, brothers, he says, of the gospel I preached to you. Of the gospel I preached to you. What is this gospel, right? What is this gospel? About five or six months ago, we did a, a series called I'm Not Ashamed of the Gospel, and we explored this in depth. But let me just remind you of a couple of the, the truths about the gospel from this passage as well as from all the scripture. First of all, just remember that 
in the in the thirty thousand foot level, all of the testimony of God is good news. So the gospel includes the 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 story of creation that God created a beautiful world. The gospel also includes the story of how we fell from God's beauty, how we fell from God's grace, how we chose in our own hearts and minds to be gods and, and, and therefore were cast away from, from God's presence. The gospel includes the fall. The gospel includes God's perfect plan of redemption. That's where we'll focus today, this third component of the gospel, the redemption that is ours through Jesus Christ. And then ultimately, the gospel includes the culmination of God's perfect plan. When there is a new heaven and a new earth and the dead in Christ are raised to life, to, to for eternity live and worship Jesus. But today, Paul gives us deep insight into the third portion of that, the redemption that is ours in Jesus Christ. And so when I say today, what is the gospel? I'm focusing especially on some nuts and bolts here about um, what does it mean that we are redeemed? You might recall that I shared with you that people approach the good news of the gospel differently. I shared with you the parable that a friend of mine had shared uh, with me and said there's three kinds of people in the world. There are Hebrews, there are people whose lives are centered on relationships. There are people that, that, that hunger for the love that comes from being in right relationship with other people. I'm one of those people. Uh, for a Hebrew who is longing for God, who's longing for a relationship with God, to hear this good news, John 3.16, that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, in Jesus Christ, should not perish, but have everlasting life. When I heard that, I received it, I believed it, and I became a follower of Jesus. But not everybody's like me. Maybe you're not like that. Maybe you are, as my friend said, not a, a Hebrew, but more like a Roman. The Romans were very pragmatic. What is it that works? And, and, and so you need something more. You need to know what is it that I need to believe. I've got great news for you. Paul's going to help us. He's going to give us exactly what we need to believe. They press pause there and say there's a third kind of person, and we have many in our congregation. There's an intellectual kind of person that needs to say, not only don't just tell me what I need to believe, but show me how it fits together. I need to understand the hows and the whys, and, and praise God, the whole book of Romans, the whole book of Ephesians, the whole book of Colossians, it gives us that kind of insight. For those of us who are like Greeks, who need to intellectually uh, grasp everything, God's word speaks to us. And, and I've shared with you before the Romans Road, a pattern uh, that not only tells you what to believe, but, but how those pieces fit together. 
Today I want to speak to those who may be saying uh, this morning, I, I want to believe. Just tell me what it is. What are the key components? Paul speaks to us Romans together today in 1 Corinthians 15. So we say, what is the gospel? Paul says, I delivered to you as of first importance, as of top priority, that which was given to me and I also received. Here it is, that Christ died for our sins. In other words, this Memorial Day, we remember that while many deaths don't have meaning on a global scale, um, some do. Many people die uh, out of foolishness. Many people die out of meaninglessness. But Christ's death wasn't one of those. Christ died for our sins. Christ took upon himself the sin of the world so that we might not have to live under the judgment and, and the wrath of God. He took our place so that we could have a right relationship with God. Christ died for our sins. What do I need to believe? We need to believe in the death of Jesus Christ. Then Paul continues that he was buried. What is, why is that so significant? Because, because um, living people aren't buried, right? And in fulfillment of the scriptures, Christ was buried as, as had been prophesied in a, a rich man's tomb. And, and everyone knew, everyone who saw him on the cross, everyone who laid his body in the tomb, the Roman guards who surrounded that tomb, everyone knew that he was genuinely dead. Then Paul continues, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scripture, that Jesus Christ rose from the dead. You remember in Romans 10, 9 and 10, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That Christ rose from the dead. Now, Paul continues to said he appeared to Peter. He appeared to the 12. He appeared to more than 500 at a time, most of whom were still alive, he says. He appeared to James and, and the apostles. And last of all, as one untimely born, he appeared to me, right? And I, and I don't want to lose this as a part of the gospel that, yes, we have to receive by faith at some point that which we cannot see. But don't be mistaken, beloved. We will see Jesus again in, in a brief summary of the entirety of the gospel that we've shared before. We have three statements, Christ has died, and we say hallelujah, right? right? Christ died for my sins. Praise God. Thank you, God. Christ has risen. Hallelujah, right? Christ broke the power of sin, disease, and death over us. Hallelujah, right? But don't miss this third part. Christ 
will come again. Hallelujah. As Job said, I will see him in my flesh. I know that my Redeemer lives. Wow. What is the gospel? It's as simple as this. That Christ died for our sins. That God validated that by raising him from the dead. And that he lives and reveals himself to people today. Wow. Wow. Praise God. Well, that is the gospel in, in one of many forms, right? What do we do with the gospel? What do we do with this? And, and that's what I love about this particular passage. Now I'm back up in verses 1 and 2, right? What do I do with this? Paul says, first, receive it. Receive it, right? Let me press pause for a second and say that many times in the book of Acts, the gospel is preached. We're going to celebrate one of those next week on Pentecost Sunday. We're going to celebrate Peter's first sermon to the people on that, on that amazing day when he interpreted what was happening as the Holy Spirit came. And, and he spoke to people who believed in God and who were longing for his coming. And, and, and the people said, they were cut to the heart and they said, what must we do? In other words, there are people that God has already prepared to hear the gospel. The question is not whether they're ready. The question is whether you will share the gospel with them, right? And, and when you do, they will respond. 3,000 were added to the church that day. That day, right? Then I'm going to take you to another time. There are many times, but a second time is in Acts chapter 10 when... when um, Peter holding on. Now, he's, he's been redeemed. He's been saved by the blood of Jesus Christ, but he still uh, has a lot of aspects of his life that reflect his pre-Christian days, right? He has a lot of his prejudices. He has a lot of uh, assumptions that he's still making. And the Spirit speaks to him and reveals to him that he's to go to a Gentile's home that he's to no longer uh, um, live in the legalism in which he'd been in, involved his entire life, which he had put his trust in, and, and he was to go to a Gentile's home. And, and when he gets there, he discovers that the same Holy Spirit who spoke to him spoke to that man, Cornelius, and prepared his heart. God, God prepared a divine encounter with the last person that... that Peter ever would have expected with a Gentile, a non-believing Roman centurion, right? It was not a part of the people of God. I said non-believing, but, but this was a Gentile with a soft heart, one who was longing to know truth. And Peter preached the gospel to Cornelius, and Cornelius and his entire household were saved, right? But I mean... Let me just highlight one more time when the gospel was preached. Uh, in Acts 17, Paul is in Athens. And, and now this is a culture much like our culture is becoming, where none of the foundation is laid, where, where other philosophies and, 
and worldliness have, have dominated people's thinking and the gospel sounds like foolishness to them. And when Paul uh, saw that they were unable to receive it, he, he, he found ways of bringing the gospel into a culture that did not know Jesus. And, and, and it, because of his gentleness, because of his sensitivity to that culture, they said, we will hear you again. In other words, they did not respond like we saw in Acts chapter 2, but they opened their ears to hear him again. Why do I say this? Because while you're called to bring the gospel to a world that desperately needs it, they will not always receive it. Unfortunately, some of the people even hearing my voice right now have not received it. But, but the first thing, if you say, what do I do with the gospel? The first thing you must do is receive it. But secondly, you must believe it. You must put your weight down on it. I know we still have not seen like Cephas, like the 500. We've not seen the risen Christ. God is asking us to believe without seeing. Remember Thomas? Um, but blessed, he says, are those who can hear the gospel, which you have heard today, and believe it. Put your weight down on it. So receive it, believe it. But Paul continues, right? I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received. And then he says, in which you stand. Now, to a certain extent, you're putting your weight down. There's belief implied there, as he'll say later. But there's also something else. There is an aspect where not only are you, are you believing it, but you're standing firm in it, right? You're standing firm in it. Keep your, keep your finger there for a second. And, and we say, what does this mean to stand firm? Firm And way back, just before Revelation, is a book we've touched with over the last couple of days. And in Jude, in Jude, um, uh, verse 3, Jude warns, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, right? In, in other words, we've received this, we believe it. He says, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith that was once for all delivered to the saints. In other words, in other words, you're gonna you're gonna present the gospel in a world that is that is um, at, be at, at best um, mildly uh, resistant, at worst violently resistant to it. And and Jude says, contend for the faith. Paul says in Ephesians, stand, five times, right? Stand firm. Put on the full armor of God, Ephesians 6, and stand firm, right? But Peter takes it one more step, just a, a few pages back now from, from um, the book of Jude. We've got the book of Hebrews and then James and then First and Second Peter. In 1 Peter chapter 3, um, Peter writes these words. Now, who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? This is verse 14 now. 
But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. And always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for your hope. That, that word we translated defense here is the word apologia, which we get the word apology. Be ready to answer their questions. You don't have to be sorry for it. It's not that sense. It's to make, it's to make a defense. When people ask you questions, help me understand the gospel. Be ready to give answers. Right? Jude, you know, uh, contend for the faith. Uh, Peter, be ready to give answers. Then turn with me one more time to Mark 16, verse 15. Jesus, this is Mark's version of the Great Commission. Uh, in Mark 16, I'm going to pick it up at verse 14. Afterward, he appeared to the eleven themselves as they were reclining at table. And he rebuked them for their unbelief and hardness of heart because they had not believed those who saw him after he had risen. And he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to all creation. Right? So, so what does it mean to stand in the gospel? It means to contend for the faith, to be ready to give answers to those who, who would ask of you and proclaim the gospel. Speak. I, I share with you before, I love, I love the beautiful analogy often attributed to St. Francis of Assisi of, of preach the gospel. He said, if necessary, use words. I love that. I love that. And may our lives always be a profound testimony of the gospel. But beloved, at some point, we have to be ready to use words. When people see the light of Christ shining in us, they're going to have questions. They're going to need to know. I've shared with you my own story. For two years, I walked among a bunch of students who uh, had a personal relationship with Jesus, and they never shared with me uh, how I could have that. At some point, you have to be ready to share the gospel. You have to be ready to proclaim it. So receive it, believe it, stand in the gospel, and lest there be any mistake, he says, be saved by the gospel, right? Be saved by the gospel, uh, which you received in which you stand, in verse 2, and by which you are being saved. Wow, it's interesting that he uses the pres present tense. Most of us would say, yeah, there was a time I was 13 or 14 years old and I put my trust in Jesus Christ and I was saved, right? And then we point back the rest of our life to that time in our life. Well, well um, Jesus says, yes, there is a point which you cross from death to life, but the salvation doesn't stop there. We not only were saved, but we are being saved. And ultimately there will come this time when the Lord returns, oh, I long for this day, when he says to us, be glorified, when we will yet be saved. So I, I just invite you, live into that which is yours. The gospel is that by which you are being 
saved, right? That by which you are being saved. Thank you so much for being so patient with me. But there's one more thought here. And we've seen it already, but let me just emphasize it again. Paul says, um, For I delivered to you out of first importance. Not only do we need to receive the gospel, not only do we need to believe the gospel, not only do we need to stand in it and be saved by it, but at some point we have to pass it on. We have to deliver it to others even as through others it was delivered to us. I want to, I want to invite you to, to receive the Holy Spirit. This week, say, God, just fill me with your Holy Spirit so that with boldness, I can, I can join the long chain of people who have received the gospel, who have been saved by it, but then who also passed it on, who delivered it to others. And, and here's my hope. As, as we fulfill this, this creed, um, which we have been studying for these past six weeks, as we, as we live into the truths of Scripture expressed in it, then not only will we be blessed, but generations will be blessed. A thousand generations should the Lord tarry, right? Not only will we be blessed, but life, um, whole family trees will be transformed. And people will be moved from death to life. Mm. Pray with me, would you? God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you that it never returns to you void, God. Thank you that you have invited us to join with the saints who've gone before in receiving and believing and standing in and being saved by and delivering the gospel. Father, we confess that often we have been overwhelmed by fear. We have been overwhelmed by the circumstances around us, as powerful and meaningful as they are. But God, thank you that, that you have come to break the power of our circumstances. You have come to break the power of sin. You have come to break the power of darkness over us. God, help us to live into this love, would you? Help us to live into this amazing grace. Lord, we'll give you the praise. We'll give you the glory in Christ's name. Amen. Worship with us, would you?
amazing grace. Thank you for worshiping with us today. I, I know that God never reveals something to you unless, unless he's going to call you to something. So having been filled with his word, having been filled with his presence through the Holy Spirit, go, beloved, into the world and proclaim this great gospel. And may the peace of Christ be with you. Amen. We'll see you next week.